good afternoon, good evening, and good night. And welcome to the Kitchen Table Live. <laughs> Go on for a minute, now we back with the jump off. Took a mid-season hiatus. You know, did, did you guys miss this? I know I will miss me too. <laughs> Jesus. So with me, I have my co-host. You know, since they say I don't introduce them, let's let's start off right. We'll go ahead and allow them to introduce themselves. What's going on, everybody? It's the OG. Welcome hey. back. Oh, my bad. <laughs> hey, y'all. It's me, DW. And me, Doctor Lee. <laughs> always, <laughs> always, always. Today. No, they don't. Huh. Well, this week, up over there. listen, I do. <laughs> you got listen. If you can't make yourself laugh, I, I don't know what you're doing in life. You, you got to be able to make yourself laugh. That, that's I mean, that's the only thing that's keeping me sane is making myself laugh. I mean, I laugh at everything. I laugh at myself. I laugh at people. I laugh at things I probably shouldn't shouldn't even be laughing at. But you know, hey, <laughs> yeah, that's just the way I was raised. Actually, my family we we laugh at funerals. We actually got kicked out. <laughs> Sitting in the front row of my cousin's funeral, my aunt actually told us to leave. She told us to get out because we sitting in the front row cracking up laughing. I think some lady was singing or saying something, and my family was dying. So, you know, we laugh at improper times, but, you know, we make ourselves laugh. That's, that's just terrible. It's not terrible because my aunt laughed too. We all laugh about it now. I mean, of course, she told us to get out, and then, you know, we came back and sat down after, after you know, we stopped laughing. But, huh. Fun times, fun times. Well, not fun times at the <laughs> funeral, but <laughs> the funeral wasn't a fun time. It was a very sad time. But in better news, <laughs> well, actually, in sadder news, <laughs> this week we're going to be talking about drum roll. Oh, that was my drum roll. A little too early for the drum roll, but well, I'll take apologize. that. <laughs> white privilege. Mm. Talk about white privilege at its finest. So much of it has been going on, you know, since, been we, a, since a we've lot, been going. A lot of things going on in that lane there. That some people uh, agree and disagree or supporting and not supporting uh, those folks' white privilege. I, I will never support white privilege. I mean, simply behind the fact that there's no such thing as black, black privilege. So, mm. you know. Now, if we had black privilege, you know. Maybe I could support a little bit of white privilege, you know, depending on what it was. Yeah. What would that know. What would that look like? Black privilege? Yeah. My 40 acres and a mule. That's what it would look like. <laughs> but if, is um, there black privilege amongst black people? Mm, Maybe not, hmm. you know, amongst the world, but just amongst our culture. I think there might be a little. I, I think I would have to agree, you know. But that's because, you know, we understand ourselves. So us as a culture, we we kind of, we understand why we do certain things. So it's more so like, a, um, like I said, laughing at a funeral, you know. Black folks, you know, only thing that keeps us sane is laughing. You know, we've been through some very hard times. So certain things, you know, i.e. black Twitter, certain things we should not be laughing at we laugh at right no you know so i i I think that would be black privilege amongst us you know certain things that we shouldn't do that we do anyway it's like ah mm -hmm, i know why you did that 
Yeah, and we let it, we let people and get away. You could even with say it. skin right. color is a part of black privilege. You know. Hmm. I mean, expound upon that. I, well, you know. I put my doctor hat say, on. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know how they say, you know, like, especially, I would say, back in the day, you know, light skin was preferred over darker skin. The well, light skin that, is the right skin? Know, exactly. I, I didn't say it that way, but, you well, know. Well, no, no, that, that, that's, not what I'm, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying, you know, that was a saying back then. No, 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 I got you. I got you. But, no, that's <laughs> true. I mean, that was the thought. It's just like the, the closer you are to white, the better you are treated. Right. Um, same thing with you know hair. Um, you Good know, and bad hair. Hair straight. <laughs> you know clearly again that's the closer you are to being white versus if you have very natural kinky hair, which is absolutely beautiful. But you know, I love black women with natural hair. What uh, we've been trained to think that that's how we're supposed to look. That that's what right. What is right. And it's mm-hmm. not true. But again, you know, I don't know. I don't know that it's so much black privilege, but it's just, you know, what white people have, you know, conditioned us to believe, and we've right. just carried it on for generations and generations. So, I mean, in a sense, there are some black people that you know have that sense of privilege because they feel those are the things that give them that privilege. But mm-hmm. at the end of the day, they're still black. So. They're just not now, I do to get see the, this, same, the same things that are reserved for white people. You know what I'm saying? I, so I do see the tables turning in the black community where what? though, you know, light skin was a thing to be. You mm-hmm. know. I mean, but now it's more so if you light skin, it's more so like eh, I don't want you. <laughs> <laughs> well, Pulse. you know what's Wait funny? A minute. What do you mean by that? It Okay, so light skinned men. <laughs> oh, <gosh>. Light skinned <laughs> men, you know, are treated horribly in, in the black oh. community. <laughs> are they really? Light skinned men go through phases of ups and downs, <laughs> more downs than up. <laughs> wow. You know. Oh, you think so? Uh, yes. Me being a dark skinned man, I, I hear, and I, I am very dark skinned at that. <laughs> Uh, I hear, you know, during the course of women's conversations more so, oh, no, I would never date a light-skinned man, you oh. know. Uh, these are these are the conversations that I hear, you know, light-skinned men. Okay, <laughs> black women aren't more so attractive to light-skinned men. Now, when it comes to light-skinned women, that's a different story. Mm-hmm. But light-skinned men versus dark-skinned men, I feel like dark-skinned men have the upper hand. There yeah. are a lot of stereotypes hmm. of, with light-skinned men, I would say. You know, like pretty boy or, right. you know, high maintenance. Sometimes they, you know, go in the opposite direction saying that they're, you know, hoes. <laughs> they're more promiscuous, oh. <laughs> you know, because they think that they're fine because they're light skin and, you know. Dark skin like men are that. very people. So, I just want to throw that out there. <laughs> dark skin men are very people. Stereotypes get, with dark skin men. Get, get you one of us. <laughs> get you a me. <laughs> I don't think skin. I, honestly, I don't think skin color matters with any of those stereotypes. It's just men in general. <laughs> That's funny. That's a whole nother topic for a whole nother. That day. is. That is. <laughs> but yeah, I, I can I can see black privilege being uh, in existence, but. You know, I, I would, feel as though 
overshadowing all it all would be white privilege. I would I would venture to say that uh, some white folks think we already have black privilege, and when you, especially when you talk about affirmative action and oh my gosh. You know, things of that nature, they think we already are uh, privileged. We're taking over basketball, football. All I hear in the music is I mean, when the radio dial is y'all music, they already think we're privileged. But people have to but realize still... affirmative action is not just for black people. Like mm-hmm. that's I think that's mm-hmm. like the most common like misconception. It is really not just for black people. Mm-hmm. And I believe I read We're an not taking your jobs. Said, <laughs> I believe I read an article <laughs> one time. I wish I had it like up right now that's that stated that black people are probably the race that takes advantage of quote unquote affirmative action opportunities the least in comparison to other racial groups. Right. So mm-hmm. I, you know, I don't get it. I hate when, when white people throw that term around. Mm-hmm. So do I. Has anyone ever been um, the person, pretty much the token black person? Oh, yes. absolutely. <laughs> I have. Gr- it gro- it gro- didn't work. It didn't work out in my favor ultimately because I started to just see what type of environment I was in. But I don't like being in that situation personally, especially if it's like in at work. Mm-hmm. Definitely not a great space to be in. And um, yeah, I don't work at this, this place anymore. But it was very interesting because at the company, um, Black people worked in the field, but in the home office mm. where I worked, <laughs> the only black people Wait. that I saw there were at. Wait a minute. They were in the. Uh, <laughs> Wait a minute. In the field. <laughs> well, this job just so happened to be called the plantation. <laughs> it felt like a plantation, seriously. Because they, they black employed black people field. to work in the public eye but behind closed doors what oh my goodness there we just were not there unless we were in the call center which is was mm. very interesting very interesting but i just so happened to get a position there and um you know as a writer you're going to take a lot of opportunities when it comes to making money <laughs> so i took the position because the money was really great at the time. Mm -hmm. And um, when I got there, it was horrible, 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 very racist. Um, And when I went to HR to basically state my concerns about my supervisor, because we had had a run-in and, you know, I am this type of person. I don't always speak up as much as I can, but when I do, you know, people hear me. So when I, you know, voiced my opinion to my boss, it wasn't met with a pleasant reaction, but she Mm. still did not stop doing what she was doing. So I'm like, okay, this has got to stop. So I went to HR and HR did absolutely nothing. Um, But it just, it just showed me that I don't want to be the token black person in the workplace because Mm -hmm. no matter what, you know, you have a space at the table, 
but you know when you start to fall out of line with what quote unquote they you know kind of see you as or the fixture that they have you know made you at mm -hmm. the company or at the table you start to fall out of that you know image then they're like okay well you know we don't need you anymore or if you start to voice your opinion it's like oh no 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 you be quiet because you know you're supposed to be here to do xyz so mm -hmm. they gave me room to be at the table but i wasn't really at the table my voice wasn't heard you know my opinion like didn't matter partner. exactly so at that point when i realized that i went from the hr coordinator the hr manager twice the hr director and then the hr director again um and no one did anything i'm mm -hmm. like oh no you can't go through the chain and everybody's like trying to pacify what you're saying no absolutely not if, if it's wrong it's wrong if i feel like you need to be in the room when i address my boss about these issues then you do it but you know that's a whole different story again for a whole nother day but it oh, just no, we goes have to show about that HR. When you have like, like you don't all. I don't love. I don't want to be the token black person in the room because I feel like they don't even want you in the room. They just want you there just to say that you're there. Same right. thing with affirmative action, typically. But you know, hey, that's just my my experience with being that token black person. I I actually just sitting here out. hearing your story. I actually have been the token black person. Um. In one of my previous jobs, actually, I was a token black person in management, actually. Mm -hmm. And it was funny because I was accused of being racist. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> um, I worked on, uh, this was Easter Bunny. This was the Easter Bunny set. Um, had worked on the Easter Bunny set, and my employees had literally walked off the job because they said I was treating them unfair compared to um, as I overheard my homies. Um, <laughs> I, I, I can see that though. I can see you treating folks unfairly. You mind, you mind your business. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> I was not treating anyone unfair. I mm. treated all my employees equally. Um, it wasn't that many of us. So it wasn't like it was, you know, okay, this person gets all the hours and you get none. It was maybe, I would say, 10 of us total um i had the opportunity to hire you know some people the previous season i had worked for santa so um i hired some people from the santa set um um it just so happened that they had to be you know african-american it was just a coincidence i did <laughs> offer the position to some of my caucasian employees none of them was willing to actually take the travel because it was a hike from the original set mm -hmm. um and some because i was actually taking over another set they um some of the employees had still stayed and they did not they did not like me at all mainly because i feel as though because i was a black man coming in and i was a black man coming in in charge right whereas though they were used to is, yeah. a caucasian woman mm -hmm. so everything i said um, and, and of course the old, uh, manager came in as an advisor, um, quote unquote, and everything I would say was being undermined by my quote unquote advisor. Whereas though she had no say, so you, you weren't even on the payroll, ma'am. I right. don't understand why you're directing my employees to do such certain things when I'm telling them not to. 
So I, they all went to my manager, actually my regional manager. Oh, was he a director? I think he was a director. My regional director and reported me and walked off. Mm. And so he was like, you know, this is what's happening. And he had knew me from previous sets, so it was more so like, okay, this is not the Marquis that I know. So let me find out what's going on. Um, and he was like, you know, this is how they're feeling, you know, just kind of pacify them. Well, please them a little bit and say, you know, it's all right. I'm sorry. I apologize. So it's like, okay, I'll, I'll play that role. But then once we got back on set, it was like, you know, and I walked off. I quit. <laughs> Man. Yeah. I told him, I said, no, I'm not doing this. I, I'm not, I'm not kissing nobody. I, I didn't say behind, but <laughs> <laughs> And yeah, so I, I was accused of being racist and more so leaning towards the black people because I was a black man. Mm. And, and you probably were subconsciously. You probably were. The crazy part was sub- subconsciously, um, I was not. I was more so helping them out so behind the fact that I did not want it to come across as favoritism. Right. So I was actually giving them more hours than I was anyone else. Because I was, I was HR. I was payroll. I, I even became the bunny at one point. Because we were so understaffed. So I did everything. I was cashier. I was greeter. I was photographer. I did it all. I was jack of all trades. Jack of all trades. <laughs> Unfortunately, master of none. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I never had the... Um, White privilege that is fine, I tell you. At, at a, a employment situation, but just growing up uh, in a town where the majority of the folks were... Uh, not did not look like me so you know, like t- take my my senior year i believe there's only like eight or nine black folks in my senior class so i always found up being in situations where i was the only one i remember one time uh, i was going to a friend's house that's gonna have a party uh, so me, me the two black guys were walking to the party and when we got there they were watching house party right but mm. when we came in they turned it off so i was like what like why y'all turn it off for like what was y'all sitting there talking you know and i'm sure and i'm sure uh, uh dw they always talk about i used to have a box back in the day They're like oh how did you grow that like that uh, can, can can i touch it does, <laughs> does it feel like a sponge uh, um, wait you had hair yes yeah <laughs> <laughs> Out of the entire one, story, hey, that's the only thing that struck me is on, that you on. had hair. <laughs> maybe, maybe one, maybe one Thursday, I'll, I would do a throwback and post it up on our, our Instagram so you can see there was Please a point do. time when I had me a high top fade, looking like uh, wasn't as big as as, as play from Kid and Play, but uh, I had hair, Doctor Lee. I had good grain of hair too, man. Mm. That's the what happened, <laughs> sir. Uh, it's called wisdom and age. Oh, that's what we're gonna call uh, it. Uh, listen, I'm not gonna walk around with some folks with the George Jefferson. And they they know who I'm talking about. Uh, <laughs> and, but uh, you, sometimes you gotta know when to say, "I gotta let it go." Listen, he let it go. He finally let it go. Okay. <laughs> he finally let it go. <laughs> I know my limits. Shade. <laughs> Continue on with your story, sir. So I mean, but it's, it, it was like um, always found. I always found myself in those situations. And so I guess being younger, uh, I, I developed a, a, a thick skin for it. So like I haven't experienced it in my, in my professional career. Um, I mean, I've been around some ghetto black folk. I'm like, mm. come on, man, y'all gotta do better than this. But I haven't been the, uh, 
the token. Like here's another story. One time, two two black kids were fighting in the hallway, and I knew both the kids because wasn't that many of us. So I, I broke up the fight. So uh, you know, fight gets break up. They call me down to the office, and so no, I thought just gonna call me down and be like. What happened? Blah 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 blah. They called me down. I was like, "Oh, thank you so much. You stopped those two guys from fighting. You're not like them." And I'm sitting there like, "Are these folks really sitting here saying to me that I'm different because I, I wasn't fighting that particular time, or because I broke up two black guys fighting?" But you could tell they they felt as though because I spoke differently, I didn't use all the ebonics back then. Uh, they were like, "You're different. I don't see you as them." I see you as us, but you still black. You were affirmative action in training. I was missing, <laughs> but it, but it, it like then they would call on me to do certain things just because they they identified me as uh, the Oreo because they felt as though I was white inside, but they had no idea. But that's how they identified me because I wasn't I didn't have the pants sagging like I didn't do all the typical things or the stereotypes that they see. And identify that with crime or identify that um, not being educated. Uh, so, yeah, being that token was a early learning lesson. But it's all racism and discrimination and all the, all the, all the other stuff. <laughs> you were the liaison between I was Caucasians the liaison. and the African-Americans. I was. It, 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 that's <laughs> dead truth. It was. How do we get how do we get to move these black folk in the way we want to uh, with one of their people? Oh, let's mm-hmm. get Chris. Chris can talk to him. They like Chris. We like Chris too. He can handle them. Nah. So d- do you did you realize that that was happening at that time, or in retrospect, do you realize that it was Not, going on? I, I I realized it. Um, because I, mean, I got thousands of stories. Like, because I mean, I mean, remember, I grew up in the town. So it it happened since I entered into the school district. So by the time I hit high school, I was already aware. Like uh, another situation where um, there was a, a book uh, called Huckleberry Finn, and in that yeah. book they used the the, the N word. So I remember sitting in class, and at this time I was thinking it was me and another girl in class. And now I skipped down because I knew I knew about the book. I said, "Oh, it's in paragraph three. And back in those days, you know, teacher chose on folks to read it. So I said, "Is she going to choose me, or is she going to choose?" one of the, the white folks so when we got down to that paragraph the white girl just kept on reading so i'm like wait a minute this, this is six words away i know she's not gonna be up here and say Ringo. <laughs> are you <laughs> scooby-doo <laughs> and, and, and she went blah 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 beep and she said it i was like whoa and we had a whole big discussion about that so it was like they felt as though I was into them so they felt that comfortable to be like, oh, it's in the book, so I should be able to say, nah. No. It's like, oh, that was a big production with that. Oh, man. But if if I, if I was one of the others, as they say, that was in that class, I promise you they would have skipped over because one of those other girls or one of those other guys would have jumped up on them quick. Like They, they would have been like fist on them. You said, I'm going off. Where they knew I, that wasn't my temperament. My tem- temperament wasn't to get aggressive. My temperament was to vocalize it, but they, mm. but that goes into the whole how they saw me. They saw me as the Oreo, where oh, Chris won't mind. But it, oh, it, that turned into a big issue in high school back then. Oh, big issue. I I don't feel comfortable with Caucasian people uh, saying the N word, whether it's in a book, whether it's in a song. 
Um, I mean, of course, we can get into the whole big debate of no one to say it or who can say it, who can't say it. I'm going to stand firm of white people cannot say it. I, I don't care where it's used, how it's used. The answer is no. Whether it's an ER, whether it's an A, the answer is no for me. So what what if it was a white person who uh, at a young age was adopted by a black nope. family and, and nope. lived I don't care. in North Philly? I don't care. Um, okay. Just, I'm just no. asking. Okay. No. Because you have the wrong skin complexion, unfortunately. You, you don't know the struggle behind whether it's an A or an ER. You don't, you don't know the mm. struggle behind it. Mm. And unfortunately, because of your skin complexion, you never will. No matter where you are raised, who raised you, I don't care if you got a black grandmama from down mm. south. Mm. Unfortunately, you won't. You won't know. You won't know how it feels to be called a nigger because mm-hmm. of your skin complexion. I'm sorry, a nigger. Er, let me put the er at the mm. end. You will never know. You will never know how offensive that is. So unfortunately, you cannot say it. Right. I, I don't care who who raised you, how you were raised. No, you cannot. Hmm. I don't necessarily. I mean, I I I agree with you. Um, I totally agree with you. But uh, this is where we we as as a black folk also have to be mindful of when we use it. Uh, because because like I I don't I man I say the word. I, sometimes I use the ER. Sometimes I use the, 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 the um, depending on who you're talking to. <laughs> depending, but and they get this is this is going to sound like the it's old white guy here. Coming out of you. It's going to sound like the old guy. But sometimes I'll be in the mall and I see the young cats and they be walking it, and it's like every other word is like, "Oh my, like, come on, man!" Like y'all, like, like come on, we got to do better than this. Like this, to me now. And again, this is the old guy speaking now. This is like there's a time and a place on how you use it. You don't, it doesn't have to be every other word out your mouth. Nigga, 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 nigga. You just like, come on, man. Nigga, just, please. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> oh man. Yes, <laughs> I don't know. I, man. No, I agree with you. You should be able to expand your vocabulary and know when to turn it on and turn it off, or you know, just be appropriate about it. I totally agree. Right. And I, you know, I can't judge anyone for saying it because I definitely use the word. Mm-hmm. But, and I don't, you know, I don't judge people for saying it if they're black. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, if they, oh, if they're black. If oh, they're no, black. if you're black, by all means. Say on, now, my nigga, say on. <laughs> if you're not, I will Mm-mm. look at you funny. I remember when I was in high school that a white girl said it and... It was like the like the record skipped because like my head turned so fast, and my cousin said, "Don't worry, don't worry, she's cool." And I was like, Mm-mm. "It doesn't work like that. It doesn't work like that." And like I, everyone got really quiet, and I don't know that she ever used that word after I like really said like, "No, nah, it does not work like that." Right. I remember the first time I was actually called a nigger, er. Mm. Um. I was in Spain. Um, in Spain? Yes, in Spain uh, at the age of 16. And I completely froze. Because it, mm-hmm. it was like, I've never, you know, 
of course, you know, in school, we're talking about racism and all that, but I've never experienced it. Mm-hmm. And it, I went to Spain with, I think it was about 40 of us. Um, 40 of us and about five chaperones. Um, and I would say out of the 40, I think maybe four of us were black, you know, affirmative action. Um, <laughs> I think only about four of us were actually black. So when we went over there, we actually had to stay with a host family, and one of the Caucasian guys actually called me a nigger. And mm. it, I completely froze. Of course, you know, once I came to, I told the rest of the black people, and I don't even think I even told my parents or my grandparents about this. Wow. Um, and it was like, you know, so I was like, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? I'm like, ah, I don't know. At, at the age of 16, I don't feel as though that's something that I should have experienced. I'm glad I did, you know, but at the age of 16, I mean, 16-year-old Marquise and 28-year-old Marquise are going to handle that two totally different ways. Um, but yeah, I completely froze. I remember mm. it like it was yesterday. Because mm. it was crazy. like, what? Wait, what just happened? Yeah, Man. First time I was called an, a nigga was probably was like third or fourth grade on the bus. Some little, I don't know. I don't even was even arguing with the girl. The girl just turned around and said, "You're a nigger." It's like what? <laughs> so I was in third and fourth grade. So was, to me, it was kind of like I, don't, I wasn't offended, but I knew that was a bad word. They don't say to, to black folks. So I was kind of mm-hmm. like, "What the heck?" Wow. Like really? Okay. She probably heard her parents saying that. Uh, yeah. mm-hmm. Definitely learned from some somewhere. That's why I say racism is definitely taught. It's something that's passed oh, yeah. down. Oh yeah, absolutely. Oh yeah, definitely is. It's it's kind of like uh, um, what's the what's the actor's name? Liam Liam Liam. The Liam guy Neeson. does all Liam right. With, yeah. And he was talking about uh, he wanted to go out and because a family member was what uh, assaulted, assaulted by yes by mm-hmm. a, black a person man. of color. So he's like, I want to go out and just kill or beat up or to a black person like. Yeah, he said he would go to the neighborhood, like a black neighborhood, and like fight everyone or shoot everyone or something like very ridiculous. Mm-hmm. And it's that's like, crazy, dude, that's not. How do you know that the person that attacked your family member is even there? Like, right. what, who are you to say that? Like, not all black people are criminals. No, not ridiculous. at all. That's mm-hmm. super ridiculous. Because mm-hmm. I can get any job right now, okay? <laughs> my criminal record is clean exactly <laughs> but that goes into a, a, a deeper subconscious thought like as much as people don't want to say they believe in stereotypes when, you, when you're fed it over and over and over again uh, and, and then you see it with your eyes it goes back to that, that, that thought that you had like oh man that black kid has his pants down. He must be a drug dealer. He must sell weed. He must be a gangbanger. Um, and let me stay away from him. As opposed to a lot of kids now just do certain things because that's the culture, not because they yes. are a bad person. Yeah. But a lot of, like, because sometimes uh, on the opposite side, if I see a, a, a certain type of, of white person, I'm, sometimes my brain goes, oh, man, that, that person's on meth. You, you know what I mean? It's like oh, that, that person on some type of. They probably of, are. <laughs> <laughs> you ain't right. You ain't right. No, nah, you ain't right. So it, 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 it goes. It goes both ways, but the the difference is for us. Like 
I'm not going to respond or do anything to where they they will. They will respond. They will do something. Um, and then they'll they bring law. Did you see it? Did y'all see this story? Uh, um, a black guy was at a dog park. And this was like a, about a month ago. And his dog started humping this other lady's dog, white lady's dog. And the white lady called the police on him. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> he was and he was like he, he pulled his camera out. he said man we're at a dog park he said i stopped him and she was like oh your your dog was assaulting my dog like he was like ma'am we're at a dog park that's what dogs do dogs don't know race man <laughs> <laughs> but she legit got on the phone and called the police on him so but so the thing was if he said if i was a white guy would you have done this would you be calling the police and she's like yes i would but you and i know no she wouldn't have hmm, of course not not at all. That's crazy. It would have been, huh? Come on, Fufu. We're leaving. <laughs> yeah. She would have cut some girls no, and walked away. She would have said, no, that's what dogs do. No, I don't know would. if any of y'all been around dogs. Where they sniff each other's tutors. You know what I'm saying? And if it's a male dog, male dogs will try to jump up on them. Mm-hmm. But to call the police on the guy, I was like, what? Y'all didn't hear that story? I, I did not. I had to do some research on that one. Oh, man. Yeah. But that's just like all the other stories that you hear of similar occurrences. Mm-hmm. You know, like the white lady calling the police on the black girl selling lemonade and the oh, white woman it's... calling the police for, you know, the black people co- barbecuing in cooking the park. Out. Like, mm-hmm. ah, like, they was ridiculous. cooking out. Let's, let's call it what it was. They, they was well, cooking out. They was cooking out. out. <laughs> it was grilling. <laughs> it was grilling, cooking out, whatever, mm-hmm. in the park. Like, it's like, dude, like, these are public places mm-hmm. and they're you know what little white girls sell lemonade all the time other white people came to that park to you know grill like it's like where are you coming from with all of this stuff so what we're not allowed to use this just as much as you are like that's not that makes absolutely no sense no sense that's no. right because next year january what i'm going to do is i'm going to go to a suburban area um, and if I see any Girl Scouts Stop. out there, I am going to call the police and I'm going to ask to see their permits. Mm, mm, mm. <laughs> I, I want to see permits. You are not allowed to be out here selling your cookies. Wow. You think, yeah. But the Girl, it, Scout, could, Girl Scouts could know, could the cookies be good? I don't care. Nope. <laughs> if this little girl cannot sell her lemonade, you cannot sell your cookies. Mm, mm, mm. And I think she was selling it for like a good cause too. So it wasn't like, you know, she's out there selling it, you know, hustle and bustle. Right. You know, so. It's crazy. Like, but so, I, so... I, no, no offense to the Girl Scouts, you know, I, I do love your cookies. I will still support them. <laughs> you know, it, it was just a joke. Ha ha, ha ha. <laughs> I told you. But you know, Black privilege. What's, what's funny though, I went somewhere. I forget where I was. I went to two different grocery stores one time. And the Girl Scouts were selling their cookies. So one grocery store is in a predominantly white neighborhood, and the other one is in a predominantly black. It's it's a mixed neighborhood, but I would say it's predominantly black. So well, the, the white girls, <laughs> no, no. So the white girls were selling the Girl Scout cookies outside, and everyone was just like, oh, my God, they're so cute, like coming up, buying cookies. And when I went to the other grocery store, it's almost like people were annoyed by those girls being there. And mm. they were a black Girl Scout troop. Mm. 
I personally supported them, mm-hmm. you know, because I love Girl Scout cookies. I'm a, I'm a sucker. They get me every year. But mm-hmm. it's just fat now. like it hurts because it's like, why could why can't you like show that same love for them as you would for, you know, the white Girl Scouts? You know, right. same thing, you know, and I notice this a lot. It's like, you know, with just black and white women, it's like. You know, white women say something. It's like, oh my gosh, you know, it's you know, we have to dote over them. We have to this. We have to that. Black women say something. It's like, get over it. So mm. it's it's hurtful because it starts like so young. You know, where people just I don't know. It, it, I'm I'm trying to formulate my thoughts here, but it just made me think about that. Like just the difference in the the treatment of people just based on off of skin color, and they're doing the exact same thing. I have two words that sum up exactly how you're feeling. (laughs) White privilege. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) That's exactly what that is. It is. No, it's true. I.e. the the, uh, admission scandal. Mm. Mm. It's more so because I have money, because of who I am, I can get away with certain things. Well, because I have money, because of who I am, and because of my skin complexion. I can get away with certain things because I, I feel as though had this been Grambling State or had this been Morgan or or Howard, instantly fired. Sorry, GS, 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 you, you, you. I thought you knew. Grambling State University. Shout out to them. <laughs> <laughs> I attended that university back in the years of 1995 to the year 1997 until they kicked me out. <laughs> oh, kicked you out. <laughs> You're making us look secret. bad. You're making us look bad. Hey, man. <laughs> Not on the white privilege episode. We could talk about <laughs> this later. <laughs> I had to shout out Graham State University. <laughs> Land no, of the Tigers. You know, had this been any other, you know, HBCU, it. It definitely would have been instantly caught. It would have been instantly broadcasted. I feel as though the only reason why it was broadcasted as much as it was was because one of the mothers was a public figure. Right. Poor Aunt Becky. But here's a question about that. Did, Did the kids know their parents were doing these things? I'm sure they did. I don't think it's come out yet that they knew. Um, so I, I don't know. I, in the case of Aunt Becky, I, I believe her daughter knew. But mm-hmm. then there are some people, like students, that are now like snitching on others that have been a part of the scheme. So those, those students that graduated from, what is it, USC? They're, mm-hmm. the, the university is investigating and they're going to revoke degrees. Not at all. You can't no, revoke my You are not are, going to. They are going to revoke the degrees. That's what they're discussing. Not so at all. It's kind of interesting because, you know, imagine if they were students that just, you know, they went to the schools they didn't know. That's, I mean, right. that's what's hurtful in my opinion. It's like you right. thought you were getting into these universities as a result of your work and even once you got there like 
are like you know if you worked hard to to gain the degree it's like why can't you keep it like right i don't have anything to do with my parents actions mm-hmm. and a lot of and i could truly believe that a lot of them may not have known that their parents did did that mm-hmm. but again you know it was that white privilege to make them believe that oh no we're good we've got money we can talk our way out of this you know mm-hmm. nothing's going to happen so that's like perfect uh, prime example of white privilege what's crazy I'm, I'm reading this like one one guy paid seventy five thousand dollars to have his daughter's act score doctored mm-hmm. like, that's Insane. crazy to me like are you kids that dumb <laughs> like well no. the ACT is the easier of the test but it's like exactly. it's like her, she never scored higher than a 22 but she received a 32 uh, man that's dang. Like, I get I get supporting your kids and doing all you can do for your kids but at some point you gotta say hey baby you can't go to USC you gotta go you gotta go to community college let's be real about it no like hey nah, there's nothing so, wrong with community seriously? college at all I, correct there's not because yeah, had, had had I had I had the opportunity to go back, I would definitely do community college for two years and then go. Oh, in a heartbeat. And then I would actually go to an HBCU um, after my for my last two years. In a heartbeat. But I, I definitely support everyone going to community college first. For one, it's the same degree. Right. It, it's the same degree, and you're paying what? A third of the price. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Depending on what school you go to. Like, See, but- just like you're saying white privilege, that's that 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 small group of of, of I don't should say it's a small group, is that it's a group. Like how would like I wouldn't even the know 1%. who to contact to be able to be like, hey, I want to alter my kids' scores. Who who would I, who am I contacting? So that that one percent that like you said that knows that's in the know, that's receiving the emails, like, hey, I know somebody can help you out. That listen, I don't think there are any black folk. I haven't heard of any black folk yet. Uh, but that's just like man, y'all like you're killing your kids, man. Yeah, so Doing a on, disservice. So on talk about it Tuesday, it was in five words or less. You know, share with us what you believe the college cheating scandal says about race. Mm-hmm. Um, some of the responses: um, right complexion, no correction. White privilege is real. White privileged people. Most important color is green. Mm-hmm. Welcome to America. More green to build the self esteem. Mm. I, I believe it's a combination of both green and also white. Right. It oh is, yeah. yeah. Because you can you can have the green but not right. have the white, and I'm gonna look at you sideways like this got to be a setup. You right. people don't do things like this. You people right. are not allowed to do things like this. You know, right. you, you have to have both colors in order for you to, you know, actually do something like this. Like you said, mm-hmm. I don't know who to contact. <laughs> I don't know the first person to contact to say, hey, listen. I got two hundred fifty thousand dollars lay around, you know. Let my child into this school. Right. Who do I call? The dean of admissions. <laughs> right. Like, how do you even? <laughs> when you really, when you think about the the whole scandal and, and how many people are involved that we don't even know about, how do you even start that that process to say, hey, um, I need my daughter or my son needs help getting into the school. Here are the challenges, and then somebody's going to respond to you and say, okay, I can assist you. I can guarantee you they're getting in, but you got to pay me X amount of dollars. See, as soon well, as someone, someone says that as soon as someone says that to me, it's like, okay, no, thank you. 
I was talking about like a tutor or a... a... <laughs> well, you know what? I think probably most people who are approached with a scheme like that would say no thank you in the beginning. But as time goes on, and if things just progressively get worse in their child's like academic letters. career, then mm. they're going to say, you know what? Perhaps, you know, this doesn't sound like a bad idea. Let me, right. you know, look into this. Or... They hear from other folks that have done something like this, mm-hmm. participated. You know what I'm saying? So they they're like, okay, well, what happened when you know Chelsea did it, or what happened when you know Joey or Chelsea you know Clinton? So, <laughs> oh Lord, not Chelsea Clinton. <laughs> so that's how they get involved in it. It's like you know, the, it probably seemed crazy to begin with. But then, you know, as they start to see other people got away with it and it was successful mm-hmm. for their children, then, hey, why not? Which I, I, is ridiculous, but, you it, know. It really is. But I feel as though 250000 um, I don't need just my child to get into school. I need you to make sure my child graduates. <laughs> At the top of the like, class. <laughs> top of the class. <laughs> like, I, I need graduation with honors. 30 tassels around his or her neck. Like, <laughs> no, I'm not going to give you 250000 just for them to get in. Like, no, uh, you need to make sure they're graduating top of the class. And when Commencement out, speech. When they come out, when they graduate, they got a, they got a job making six figures already. A- exactly. Because it's not even like this is a, a major school. Like, they're not top five. I can see if this was like, Harvard or Yale or Princeton, then it'd be like, mm, okay, I, I can kind of see why you did that. You know, mm. <laughs> you know, I have that on my resume. I'm not going to sit here and say I probably wouldn't participate either if I had an extra 250 laying around, you know. Mm. But I, I have a sidebar. I have a sidebar question here. Mm-hmm. Um, I know you guys seen recently, especially this time of year, where you, there's folks that are like have like, um, 18 uh, uh, admissions into certain colleges or I read the other day is one kid had like 20 admissions into different law schools around the country and everybody's like oh my gosh that's so great that's so great and my first thought went to um, number one why are you p- applying to 20 different colleges number two that's a lot of money that your folks are spending for those application fees uh, and number three, you're doing it just for show. For clout. It's like, who, for clout. Who, 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 like, and there was a young black girl, not, like, oh man, it burns me to say this, but it's like, why are you applying to 25 different colleges? I, I'm, I'm glad that you got in, but mm-hmm. you had no idea, you, you couldn't round it down to Harvard or Stanford or Yale or Princeton. You had to do 25 different schools. You knew you was going to get in. <laughs> it's like, like is what are we she, doing here, man? Did she know? I mean, yeah, you know. I mean, me personally, when I was applying to colleges, um, I got you know my um, my application fee waived, but it was up to five mm-hmm. schools. So I just applied to five schools. That was it. Because think about it, back in well, I was applying mm-hmm. back in like oh eight oh seven, the application fee was like a hundred dollars, hundred and twenty five dollars. I can't afford that. Not to know 25 different schools that I know I'm going to get into. I want to apply to my top five. Now, if my top five tell me no, at that point, you know, I'll start applying to different schools. But I'm I'm not going to apply to 25 different schools just because. Just just to say, 
I applied to 25 different schools and I got into all 25. Right. I used to work in higher ed, so I do know that a lot of institutions, if students come in to visit the university um, and they apply the day that they come to visit, um, a lot of times they waive the application fees. Or, um, you know, if they build a rapport with admissions, you know, employees or director or whatever. (laughs) It's not even a scare. It's just like a recruiting thing. Like, you know, if they need a certain number of students to come into the university, then you're going to have your application fees waived. Or if Mm -hmm. you go through certain programs, you'll get them waived. I mean, I'm pretty sure that they weren't paying and dishing out $150 to $100 for every single app. There's no way. They had to get some of those fees waived somewhere. Maybe they're not telling everybody that, but I don't believe that that those students were paying out those those application fees just you know, willy nilly. Like there, there are instances when fees are waived very often. It happens more often than people think. And not just at the university that I worked at, because the school that I worked at, there, you know, some special conditions. But, you know, I love my HBCU. That's my HBCU. I didn't attend there, but that is my HBCU. I claim it. But, Don't worry, Howard is my know, at the end of the day, <laughs> <laughs> I have a, well, I have a, you know, I work there. I have a special connection with that with that school. I went to their homecomings, so I got a special <laughs> connection. Oh my gosh, no, it's different. It's different. It's different. It's different. But no, they have a special situation. But the mm-hmm. other universities that were connected with my university did not have such you know difficult you know circumstances that they were under, and they offered you know they waived the. Um, application fees often so you know i could see that happening like but perhaps they but just 25 they i don't think that they thought that maybe they didn't think they were going to get into all those schools that's why they applied i'm not wasting places. my time not 25 it's, it is hard it, these, it is it is hard to get into college these maybe days. 10 like, 10 at the most 25 here's, here's a story this is this is from last year Kid applied to 20 of the best colleges and got a full ride to all of them. So, wow. so the colleges, just to give an example, Harvard, Princeton, Northwestern, Yale, University of Penn, Stanford, Georgetown, Vanderbilt. Now, when he first decided I'm going to, to apply for college, apparently his grades had to be super, superb for he even to talk about Yale, Harvard, Princeton, Northwestern, Georgetown. So you knew that I have a good chance because me, I'm not going to, when I was a senior, I wasn't going to apply to Princeton because I knew I didn't have a shot to even get into Princeton. So I wasn't going to take the opportunity to even apply. SAT grades wasn't that good. My class rank wasn't that good. So eh, not wasting my time. But somebody like this, he's probably number one or number two. Mm-hmm. SAT scores was probably off the chain. He's probably participated in a lot of, uh, of activities. So he had an idea like, you know what? I can, I can probably get into one or two, but you applied to 20 schools, bro? Like, come on. Not this, and again, I didn't want to switch subjects, but I just want, I just want to get y'all's thoughts on that. I think it's just ridiculous. I, I still say, you know, to me, that's excessive. Like you said, DW, you know, if you go to certain schools, you know, if you apply while you're visiting, you know, you get your application fee waived by all means. But I'm not going to apply to a school that I know I have no intention of going to. It, for one, you're wasting my time. 
as an admission uh, counselor, you're wasting my paper because I got to send you your acceptance letter. So we're killing trees for absolutely nothing. <laughs> we're, we're not going to do this. If you, if you have no intentions of coming to my school, don't apply. But then also, maybe they applied to that many schools because they didn't know which ones would actually, one, admit them, but two, give them this, those scholarships. Yeah. Now, so now that's they, a different story. If it's know, more so, I apply, another... if I apply to this, if I apply to school A, but they only give me a partial scholarship, but school B is giving me a full scholarship, school C is giving me a full scholarship. You know, at that point, it's like, okay. But 20, you, you don't know who's going to give you a full scholarship by the time you get to 10. <laughs> like, I'm pretty sure when they send you your acceptance letter, the following letter after that is about financial aid. Right. You, as soon as you get that big envelope that says you've been accepted. Because listen, I got big envelopes and I got little envelopes. Those little envelopes mean, mm-mm, we reviewed your application, but no. unfortunately not. I think in the, in the in if they give you a full ride, I think that's in the first letter with the ex, uh, with the same way exactly. you accepted. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I already know. Like I said, I'm going to apply to my top five schools. And now, once I get all my letters back from my top five schools, you know, it's more so, okay, cool. And then the whole thing is early admission. I'm sending out my um, applications. Let me see. When I applied to schools, I didn't wait until. Uh, May, April to apply to schools. I was applying to schools in September and December, September through December. The way I already knew exactly what school I was going to, um, how much financial aid I got. Like I was on the ball. My mother was me. My mother made sure, you know, all your applications were in. I remember going to the Poconos on the family trip and writing my uh, admission essay on the family trip. Wow! Like my mom played no games. <laughs> You sit down, everyone else is outside having fun. You sit down and you write your essay and we're going to review it. I mean, my entire family went through my essay and was like, mm, now nah, take this out, add this. Mm-hmm. Now nah, take this out, add this. You know, I mean, not everyone has that support, but 20 schools to me is excessive. I say narrow down to at least your top five. My right. top five were, let me see, whew, Howard, Morgan, um, Keene, Rutgers, and Temple. And I actually got accepted into all those schools. And of course, you know, because of financial aid, I went to King. You know, shout out to KU. EEO, 08, you know. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, you know, I applied to all my top five schools that I wanted to go to. I um, got into all of them. And then when they started talking about finances, it was, mm, okay, mm. <laughs> you moved down to number four. Mm-hmm. You, okay, you moved up to number two. King gave me the most money, so that's why I went. Mm-hmm. I mean, because my family wasn't rich. I'm not paying out of state for uh, for Howard, and y'all only giving me. I think at the time, they was only giving me uh, a half ride, and the rest I had to come out of pocket. Mm. I'm good. Mm-mm. You know, but uh, Howard and Morgan were definitely my two my top two dream schools to go to. Shout yes. out to MSU, the Bears. Now I've gone to every single one of their homecomings. That now that was fun. That was good times. Good times. Hmm. As a matter of fact, I think I may go to Morgan's homecoming this year. Y'all may see me. <laughs> shout, shout out to my uh, my DMV family. Hmm. I used to go down there on the weekends. I mean, no money. Hop on a um. Hop on a uh, not the Greyhound. What was the, uh, the Amtrak? Hop on the Amtrak. 
get on down to uh, Baltimore, no money in my pocket, and I used to always, I was always fed, what? always had a place to stay. That That's how much Baltimore, or how much I love Baltimore. That's, you're crazy. I mean, of course, I had family and friends down there, you know. I wasn't going down there being homeless for a weekend. You know, people were like, yeah, come on down. Like, I don't got no money this weekend. Did I ask you that? Okay, cool. I'm out. Mm. I need your family. <laughs> I want to go to uh, the Bahamas. I ain't got no money. Who... Now, 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 now. Anytime I've gone out of the country, unfortunately, that, that has hit my pockets. <laughs> you know, except Europe. Europe, I actually fundraised for that. When I went to Europe, I fundraised for that. But uh, any other time, my passport was stamped. <laughs> that that hit my pocket. I was saving up. I was doing overtime for those trips. Mm-hmm. Crazy. I don't think we can call this episode white privilege anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, my bad. I I said that popped into my head and I wanted to ask y'all because I saw like two of them in the last couple of weeks and and I I was like, what? Like, what's going on here? But I always see them every time this year where it's like some ridiculous amount of applications and acceptances, which is great. I get it. Your hard work is paying off. But let's be realistic here. You, you have to apply to twenty schools, man. Mm-mm. To me, that says you, you're being in, indecisive. Choose like most people have an idea where they want to go. Mm-hmm. You know, then when the financial piece comes into it, then you're like, all right, well, I can't go to Georgetown because Georgetown is outrageous. Exactly. Or I'm not going to go to USC because I don't want to go to the West Coast. So I'm not, you know, what I'm saying I'm not applying there. So you know, that's just me though. Because mm-hmm. I mean, listen, had Howard sent me that that big packet telling me I got a full ride. Let me tell you how I'll be a a, a HU with the the Bisons, right? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. You know, I had to make sure. You know, I get some of my schools mixed up. Uh, <laughs> I I definitely would have loved to graduate from Howard. You see, that would have been two thousand and twelve. You know what I'd be doing with my life right now, two thousand and twelve, <laughs> like seven years later. Oh, <laughs> my well, you know, I I didn't. You know, like I said, I claim, you know, my old employer as my HBCU, but I didn't attend there, but the love that people there gave me, mm-hmm. like, I literally have so much love, like, like, that job was crazy, crazy, but the connections that I made and the support that I've received from the people that I've met, the work that I did you know, for the university, like, I have never had that opportunity before in life. So Mm. I'm always like, very forever thankful for that position. Um, And I see the, you know, students at HBCUs have much different, a much different experience than students Mm -hmm. at, you know, other, like, because you have that nurturing piece, because everybody wants to see you win. Whereas, you know, at other schools, it's like, you know, they, they if you run into people there, you know, I, I'm not going to lie, I've run into people at my uh, universities that have poured into me and that I still have relationships with now that I'm, you know, off and out of, the, out of school. Um, and, you know, they're still helpful to me, but it is nothing like what I viewed at, in working at an HBCU. No, no mm-hmm. comparison. Much different. Right. So... You know, while I was there, I was like, damn, you know, I wish I went to HBCU. But 
you know, at the end of the day, I always claim that place as my HBCU, and I look at the people that I've met as being those connections that I've made similar to the, you know, the connections that the students made as well. So just my little HBCU story, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I would never discredit, you know, my experience that I had at KU. Um, no. I, I love it. I've met my uh, my best, some of my best friends there. Yeah. Um, actually, my male best friend was actually my roommate for our sophomore year. Um, you know, I definitely got the opportunity to meet some great people, you know, network. Some people I still talk to. We're still friends on Facebook. You know, we still connect back and forth. Um, but I still stand firm behind an HBU experience would have been completely different. Sure enough. Yeah. Sure enough. And for me, coming come from a white school district to go to uh, an all-black college and uh, 99.9% of my professors were uh, black, um, having that experience was, was like, man, like this is, this, is, this is all right right here. Like, this mm-hmm. is what's up. Totally, totally, totally changes your views on, 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 on the world. Like all my, like there were some some white students that were there, uh, but they were obviously the minority. But just again, for me, it was just having the professors that were that looked like me, teaching me, helping me, mm-hmm. working with me, and wanting me to succeed uh, was just man, phenomenal. You know, you look at them like your aunts and uncles, you know, your grandparents. You know, I, I would have loved to, you know, go to HBCU and look at one of the professors like, oh, you know what? That's Auntie Sosa. You mean Professor Sosa? Uh-uh. That's Auntie Sosa. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> I've adopted her into my family. All my professors are my, now my aunts and uncles. Like it's one. It's literally one big family at an HBCU. It really is. Oh, it really yeah. Is. And one big party too. <laughs> that 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 it is. <laughs> yeah. Cool very very family like. But you know the one thing I can say like on the flip side is. I do believe that, and I'm not saying all HBCUs are like this, but there is a lot of nurturing going on that's not always good. And sometimes that could affect someone in their adult life outside of college. Because, Mm. you know, a lot of times, especially at my, you know, my old job, um, the nurturing piece would be, quite difficult to watch sometimes because it's just like wait a minute like are we teaching these students the right thing like do they realize that the real world is much different than you know the bubble that they're in right now do they know that you know yes you're surrounded around you know predominantly black students you know with very few white students here Mm -hmm. and very few white professors white employees and so forth um but do they realize that we're not everybody's going to be hand holding them every step of the way right so that's the only piece that i used to get a little frustrated by the hand holding um and that's because like literally from day one of college be it it didn't matter where i went to school um i did my hand was not held You know, I did run into people that were, you know, more helpful than others. But again, professors did not hold my hand. 
they were like, look, you get it in, you don't, then that's it. Like, you know, we can only give you but so many chances. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting. I, but I appreciate the nurturing because I do believe that a lot of times, you know, black students do need that. They need that support. They need that boost. A lot of them come from environments where they just don't have it. Be it even if they come from good school systems, you know, they they may have never been told that they were good at something at a school system that was predominantly white. You know what I mean? Right. So it's right. it's a it's it's interesting. It's it's very interesting. But um, that's the only that's the only flip side that I have to the whole family nurturing piece that is seen at HBCUs. That's the only issue that I have. But Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, it's a beautiful thing, though. It's a beautiful thing. Yes, it's a beautiful, it really is. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I was actually trying to uh, look up the graduation graduation rate of African Americans in the HBCU versus the PWI, which is a predominantly white institution. I actually cannot find it. Mm. I, I, I actually would like to know that. Yeah. Varies per institution. Oh yeah, definitely. I think definitely. Larger, I'm, talking, I'm talking like an know. overall, like mm. a. Because I know mm-hmm. for, um, I think it was uh, Spelman, I think their graduation rate is 79%. So 79% of their freshman class actually graduates mm-hmm. on time, mm-hmm. which is actually very good compared to other schools. Yeah, if you, if, if, you told, if you merge them all together, it's probably going to be low. Yeah. Um, but then you have some institutions that would just be, high, will be definitely be higher. Mm-hmm. Um, because look I'm, I'm 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 one of the reasons why it's low because i didn't graduate from there but i attended um well i didn't but, graduate from king you know so that kind of helped him out a little bit you know <laughs> <laughs> so i, I found so we just found even a, the scales <laughs> i found a stat here it says that a graduation rate for hbcus is only 35 percent um uh, black student graduation rate is 34 percent or lower so they broke it down from HSB, HBCUs is 35%, but then just black students in general um, in, in other institutions is 34%. So if you look at it that way, it's higher percentage-wise. Um, but then overall, it's probably, since it's more of us at an HBCU mm-hmm. than at another institution. I feel like it definitely should be higher at right. HBCU. But know, know what happens, though? Like, like if you it, like why did you stop going to school like like a lot of folks stop going because f- a few reasons get kicked out um didn't do good uh academically and they put you on academic probation and in, in the financial piece or or you yes. or you mm-hmm. when some, for females they might have gotten pregnant where they couldn't finish immediately and they had to take time off they had to go back so there's a lot of different factors mm-hmm. that play into it so i know a lot, a lot of folks that had to stop because money just ran out yeah so when I went to school, that's when we went through the quote unquote Great Depression with the Obama administration. Um, <laughs> that um, that semester they actually raised tuition and also dropped financial aid. So I oh. couldn't afford I couldn't afford to stay at King. Oh. You know. I mean, I wouldn't I definitely wouldn't have finished in four years, but you know, had they not have done that, I probably would have finished in five. Mm-hmm. So I would probably in class in 2013. I think that's the norm nowadays. Five yeah, the norm years. is five. It, it's no longer four years undergrad, two years uh, grad. Well, now it's an additional four years for uh, doctors. But think about it, that's 10 years of your life to become a doctor. 
Whereas like, I just went online and got mine. You know, you can be like me. <laughs> be like Doctor Lee. Go online and get your doctor's degree. Then you gotta pay. Uh, if you had student loans, that's a hundred, hundred fifty thousand. Ooh, I went to yeah, school for two years it. and left with what was it? I think forty-seven thousand dollars in student loans. Mm. And that's really because I lived on campus. So my student loans actually covered me to live on campus plus my tuition. Because again, financial aid, I think they may have given me maybe about two thousand dollars, three thousand. Majority of my majority of my expenses were actually covered by um student loans. Um looking back, <laughs> what advice I definitely would give to everyone. If you are taking student loans and you get a refund check, pay your loans. <laughs> don't don't be like Dr. Lee and decide you want to uh, splurge and go on different vacations with your refund check not even realizing that uh, sir you still got to pay that money back that's not extra financial aid left over like financial aid isn't just grants it's also loans so yeah definitely uh, pay your loans with your uh, financial aid refund check but you said well, they made a mistake and gave me three thousand dollars. Listen, one one year I was getting check after check after check. It's eight hundred dollars here, four hundred dollars here, twelve hundred. I think that year I may have gotten back at least about a good, maybe about four or five thousand dollars in refund tax. And you had a ball, huh? I sure did. Not even saying thinking like, you know what? Mm, maybe I should put some of this money on my loans. I balled out. That's too funny. Too funny, craziness though, man. Super craziness. Yeah, we, we might have to rearrange the title. Might just take out the white. It's called privilege. Privilege, <laughs> privilege at its finest. That's what we're gonna call this episode. Privilege <laughs> at its finest. You know. Whether you want to pay for somebody to go uh, get your kids in school, or if you want to apply to twenty different colleges, you're privileged to do so. I, I wish my parents had two hundred and fifty thousand dollars because I wouldn't tell them. You know, listen, I can get into school on myself. I'm not I need going you to... to school. Why not? If my folks had two hundred fifty, that means they're they're doing something, uh, whether it's having their own business or they they have a super job. Dad, mom, I'm not going to school. Why? <laughs> Just give me the, if you're gonna pay a university, give it to me. But man, we could invest a portion of that. I'm good. I don't need to go to school. So you mean to tell me, eighteen year old OJ would use that two hundred fifty thousand dollars? Oh my god! As an investment? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely not. Oh my goodness! You think? You think I would? 18 years old, if my daddy and my mommy sat down and said, okay, we have a quarter of a million dollars here for you um, to do with it, not what you want to please, but uh, you either go into college and we're going to use this money to pay for it, or you can just have the 250K and we can set it up in investments and give you uh, um, a, a monthly stipend out of it, blah, blah, blah. Cool. Thank you. I'm not going to college. I'm not going. Well, college isn't for everyone. College is definitely not the end-all, be-all. Um, I definitely recommend, me personally, okay, if I have kids, when I have kids, my kids, I have two options. You can either go to school, which would be college, or you can pick up a tree. You, you need to do something. Because coming what out of high school, going straight to work, you're going to be working the rest of your life. And you're going to be what, slaving the rest of your life. But what if you had $250,000 for them? We can use it as an investment, but you still need some type of tools underneath your belt. That $250,000 is going to run out. And it's going to run out quick. What tools did Kim Kardashian have? What tools Laying did... on her back. 
<laughs> Her mother just capitalized on the, the situation. She was there you go. Uh, see? Now her mother knew what to do. Never do that. But then they also had their own businesses too. So I know plenty of women who lay on their back for lay on their back for a check. Oh, (laughs) let's not go there. No, no, no. Wait, hold on. Wait, 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 wait. Uh oh. Let me me rephrase that. (laughs) I don't personally know women who lay on their back. You know, I've never Mm. been with any woman who laid on her back for a check. Oh, but I do know. I do know women who. Oh, you you haven't. Oh, I have not. Oh, don't do that. <laughs> Let, let's let's not do that. I have never, have never, will never. I, I don't need it that bad to pay for it. I'm good luck. Mm. Okay. Mm-mm. All right. That's your, that, that. So. <laughs> yeah. Okay. In conclusion. Pri- privilege at its finest. I tell you. <laughs> Nail oh privilege. man. Man, it's, it's a pleasure to be back on, man. It you is. A little, I call it a mid-season uh, break. You know, due to technical difficulties, you know, we, <laughs> we had to we had to take a break. But uh, we are back. Um, definitely missed you guys. This this was fun. It was fun. It was definitely. We, we must do this again. <laughs> <laughs> we, we must express ourselves again. You know, because I'm I'm tired of getting text messages and phone calls and. Emails, asking, right? People, asking, people like, hey. walking up to me. Yes. Well, what's, what's going on with the show? Where, what are you guys doing? I, yes. Did you guys post another episode? Did I miss something? You know, do I have to catch up? You know, now I can tell everybody. Yeah, we just posted one. Go catch up. <laughs> yes, I was so surprised as... when I got feedback from people. Like, did you guys record this week? I'm like, yeah. Um, <laughs> no, we didn't. <laughs> but stay tuned. <laughs> stay tuned. Yeah, definitely stay tuned. You know, we, we do have more stuff coming out there for you guys. And as always, you can reach us on Instagram, Facebook, uh, on our Twitter. Website. Are we on Twitter yet? Are we on Twitter yet? Actually, we're not. I, I may I may create us a Twitter account, you know. Yeah, Twitter coming soon, too. That's under construction. Yeah, you also can reach us on our, our website as well. Uh, definitely love to hear from y'all. You can email us at kitchentablelive dot com is that it no teaching table live at gmail dot com it's a mouthful yeah i know but that's all i got for y'all this week this is the og signing off y'all got any last words um we didn't get a receipt but i'll say that for next episode yeah say that next episode thanks for listening (laughs) guys thank you guys so very much love you guys